Chapter 9, Celibacy and Sexual Apathy. My first real relationship in high school, I spent three to four years being abused, forced to have sex nearly every day, just so my stalker or boyfriend, in the form of high school love, wouldn't shank me the way he threatened to shank my male best friend at soccer practice one day. If you're like, why did you stay for so long? Well, a healthy conscious of guilt, growing up in a family that had an unequal power dynamic between gender roles, and the stereotypical, started out overly sweet and affectionate, won my emotional trust and hormonal dependency, then gradually divulged into more and more severely deranged behavior, all played a role. In fact, I used to have to take my mom's car to visit friends I had met during track, who lived an entire county away after he would leave my house for the day, so that when he drove by later that evening and saw mine still in the driveway, he wouldn't be suspicious. I wasn't allowed a MySpace or Facebook when it came out, which honestly worked to my advantage because there are no embarrassing archives of me in high school, and had to tell my male friends from school that they weren't allowed to text me because I might stray which meant he'd grab and twist my arms until they would covered in bruises, but modeled with my soccer injuries, you couldn't really tell. That was normal behavior to me, though. My father had ensured I had no control over the use of my own body. I watched what happened when my mom broke the rules. I watched my grandmother wince when my grandfather would angrily shout out in his sleep. I was still doing so well in sports and school, excelling as always, so why should my unchanged behavior warrant concern? Why would my parents be alarmed with the way I was treated when doing so would highlight the trenches of flaws within their own foundation? Why should I expect or want anything better or different for myself if I didn't know what else was out there? Plus, my high school boyfriend was many things and obviously a completely psychotic nut job of all, but there is no denying he had an incredible penis for a 15-year-old girl to learn how to enjoy herself on. Truly a wonderful specimen of the human body for my first real boyfriend. Solid girth, good length, capable of satisfying a lifetime equestrian. I was getting off and since I was so much smarter than him, I could get around his inadequate attempts to tie me down and continued to live a Hannah Montana-esque double life of secrecy, a much longer story for a much different time. It should really be no surprise that after years of enduring this, and even more years of deconstructing these sexual norms through several long-term, progressively healthier relationships and therapy, that I've now begun to struggle with my sexual identity. Um, I can finally cringe at any reminder of what I thought was acceptable. For the record, I have not been immune to my fair share of several unhealthy, chronic hookups. In fact, I even had to get a restraining order against one of them. But your girl appreciates her solid, reliable, I-know-what-I'm-getting-dick, okay? There is a lot to be appreciated in the stability of generic, you know, moderately to well-endowed peni as a mid-to-late-twenties woman tired of the burden of her gender. However, when I'm not in committed relationships in recent years, I tend to enter periods of complete, utter sexual apathy in lieu of even casual attempts at hookups. The first time in undergrad, I cycled through a period of celibacy for almost two years while focusing on my random whim to actually see what I was capable of with track. 
after quickly tiring of partying my freshman year. Part of that was definitely because the guy I absolutely adored, who had an amazing cock that I got to ride to my little heart's content on and off for eight years until about like 2018 actually, transferred to Tennessee. And I didn't care enough to find anyone else who could toss me around like the proprioception of a wrestler can, but mainly it was the not wanting to be distracted thing. I tell myself while annoyingly wondering how his dog is doing and whether I should text him. I'm not going to. Recently, I've been in another cycle of celibacy since May of 2019. So like what, 15, 16 months? So for no reason in particular, other than I'm just not looking and it's just not a priority. And whenever anyone seems kind of surprised by this, I suppose being capable of being sexual and sluttiness are mutually inclusive for women <laughs> women these days. Because of the lack of clothing and my photos gracing Instagram, I truly just have no patience for the explanation at this point. So after traveling over five times, whoa, the privilege, to Europe, three of those times I was working, I'll have you know, and living in Florida for two years, as well as a lifetime of athletic performances in my past life, I got used to being really comfortable with my body. I no longer rush to sexualize like the shape of my breasts or the well-defined curvature of my ass in barely more than underwear. In fact, I don't even think about my body when I throw on clothing. I just, you know, walk down the red light district in Amsterdam, a blonde American parting the Red Sea of tourists with presence alone, looking at naked girls draped across bed frames and windows and watching their eager movements, attempting to lure in the weak for a few minutes of pleasure. I sat absentmindedly on the beaches of La Ciotat, the pert nipples of the woman accompanying my beach chair's neighbor out, yet on no more of a display than any of the men meandering around shirtless. I stared at paintings, statues, and figurines of feminine beauty in Parisian, Dutch, and American museums, drinking in the subjectivity of that perception and acknowledging the, the cultural norms that allowed the art to exist. After spending years and time and culture that allowed me to freely exist as who I am without judgment and without relative an anonymity, cultures that didn't value my physicality far above the rest of my assets, I just began to realize how criticized I had felt my whole life, like first by my family and then by my peers and finally by society. And so sex and intimacy are one of the most difficult things that still comes so naturally to me, um, even with years of misuse and historically questionable ethics behind such acts, it is my nature to like share it and to indulge it. But I still live in a country that shames me for wanting to kind of cavalierly discuss it at, at brunch with my girlfriends. So instead, I choose to flip the mental switch of apathy to off if I can't do it the way I know it's supposed to be done, like teeming with like sensuality and love and passion and need, I just am not going to do it at all. I actually read The Five Love Languages by Dr. Gary Chapman recently, and despite being relatively unamused and having more of a no shit moment, because anyone who has gone to therapy for years would have had that emotional insight as well, although I guess it's a lot quicker to learn it over the span of a few hours of reading. Um, but I was haunted by the reality that physical touch is probably one of my main love languages. 
Um, it would explain why I refuse to let anyone other than who I'm super close with have physical access to me. And it would explain why I would still be particularly resistant to that childhood abuse. Um, there is comfort, though, in the knowledge that I'm fully confident, even with recognizing I physically guard myself more as a result of my childhood, that I can still allow that level of intimacy of legitimate spiritual sexual connection. <laughs> Shout out to that aforementioned eight-year hookup. <laughs> and, like, one other person. <laughs> um, but, like, there's a couple of them who I know I've genuinely loved. And I personally can separate like sex from intimacy, which is also why I'm so obstinate about reducing the stigma around female sexuality, legalizing prostitution, etc. Even with my history of being sexually assaulted on three separate occasions, states away from each other. Again, stories for another time. But preventing that has done nothing to help keep women from being objectified by society and has only increased violence towards women and allowed a country where our last election involved a choice between a rich and powerful man who sexually assaulted women or a rich and powerful woman who led the public dehumanizing campaigns against the woman her husband sexually assaulted both of which are reportedly attributed to the global pedophilic reign and still have significant influence in our political climate. Additionally, I do consider the fact that I can just turn it off for years at a time is evident of the extent of trauma tied up in it, though, or the very least, my emotional apathy, which is apparently fairly normal for a woman, but thanks to Reddit, is reassuringly normal for the 1% of ENTJ ladies who understand my pain, the ease at which I transitioned into exploring my sexuality, even with being too scared to explore my own body personally, the lack of concern or awareness for how severely unhealthy those early relationships were, the knowledge of what to do even with no access to anything remotely similar to the Playboy magazines my older brother was provided, or a strict ban on all the American Pie movies, draws the question of where in the fuck and when did I learn this stuff? If it was really all from natural bodily functions and emotions, why do we make it seem so bad? What is the point? <laughs>